Hello and welcome to Girl Speak, a podcast series by Girl Museum, the first and only museum in the world dedicated to celebrating girlhood, bringing you a girl's eye view on arts, culture, and history. I'm Elizabeth Dillenberg, resident scholar of Girl Museum, hosting for you today. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. Next month, Girl Museum will launch our 2024 Heroines Quilt, where we will be exploring Heroines of the American Revolution in honor of the 250th anniversary. The quilt will focus on bringing to light little known stories and legends of girls during this pivotal time in American history. Today, in anticipation of this forthcoming exhibit and in honor of Black History Month, we wanted to talk more about the life of Phyllis Wheatley. In this podcast, I'll begin by providing an overview of her life, and then we'll hear a reading of one of her poems by Sarah Saluski. Much of the information for this episode has been drawn from the chapter on Phyllis Wheatley in Ashley Reamer and Tiffany Iselhart's book, Exploring American Girlhood Through 50 Historic Treasures. It is a fantastic book about girls' lives and the importance of girls in American history, And if you haven't already, I highly recommend checking it out. So I wanted to begin by providing an overview of Phyllis Wheatley's life. We don't know much about Phyllis Wheatley's early life. We believe she was born around 1753 and taken from her home in West Africa to the American colonies as a slave. She was sold in 1761 to John and Susanna Wheatley of Boston to be Susanna's domestic servant and companion. Her first name comes from the ship on which she was transported to America, called the Phyllis. Education for enslaved children, both girls and boys, was extremely rare. But it soon became clear to the Wheatley family how intelligent Phyllis was, and they began to tutor her alongside their own children. Phyllis was given an unprecedented education for an enslaved person, and one that was really unusual for a woman of any race at the time. Within a year and a half of her arrival in America, Phyllis learned English, Latin, and Greek, and studied the Bible, history, geography, and astronomy. She also displayed a talent for writing poetry. These talents were encouraged and demonstrated to the Wheatley's friends and family. At age 11, Phyllis wrote her first poem about the deaths of a neighbor's children. But it was an elegiac poem on the death of the celebrated divine and eminent servant of Jesus Christ, the reverend and learned George Whitfield in 1770 that catapulted her to greater fame. Her tribute to this popular preacher was published in newspapers in Boston, Philadelphia, and Newport, and was recited at Whitfeld's funeral. By age 17, Phyllis had completed 28 poems ready for publication, but American print houses refused to publish her book. The Wheatley sent Phyllis with their son to London. The trip provided her with the opportunity to interact with many notable figures of the day. She was even supposed to meet the King of England, George III, but she ultimately did not because she had to return to Boston early. 
But during her time in England, Phyllis did accomplish her goal. She secured support for the publication of her poems. In 1773, Poems on Various Subjects, Religious and Moral, was published. The book was enormously popular on both sides of the Atlantic. And with its publication, she became the first Black person and one of the first women to publish a book in America. Her fame led to calls for her freedom, most notably in editorials in British publications, which the Wheatleys eventually granted. By 1778, both John and Susanna died leaving Phyllis penniless because the Wheatleys likely claimed her royalties for themselves. Shortly after she was manumitted by the Wheatleys, Phyllis married John Peters, a free black man. John Peters held various jobs, including working as a grocer, but struggled financially and was imprisoned for debts. These circumstances meant that Phyllis had to work as a scullery maid. She continued writing, but was rarely published. Phyllis and John had two children who died, and shortly after giving birth to a daughter who died, Phyllis died. At 31 years old, on December 5, 1784, in relative obscurity. Since her death, Phyllis has faced criticism for her apparent unwillingness to challenge slavery and for not using her poems and the singular platform that she had to expose the cruelties of slavery. Yet a more careful analysis of her work shows that she did use her poems to raise the issue of slavery and freedom. For instance, one of her most famous poems today is On Being Brought from Africa to America, which was written in 1768. Critics have focused on the first lines of the poem which are, "'Twas mercy brought me from my pagan land, taught my benighted soul to understand that there's a God, that there's a Savior too, once I redemption neither sought nor knew." So in these lines, she seems to be suggesting that it was a good or kind thing that she was taken from Africa, which she calls her pagan land. Yet in the second part of the poem, we see that she provides a subtle challenge to the racism towards Black people. So in the second part of the poem, she writes, Some view our sable race with scornful eye. Their color is a diabolic dye. But she reminds people that they too will join the angelic train. So in these lines, she's reminding people about the common humanity of Black people and rebuking those who think that their color is a diabolic dye. In other poems, Phyllis uses double meanings and metaphors to provide insights into Black people's experiences. Her elegies reflect on the theme of freedom through death with death being a flight or voyage over water, a metaphor later prevalent in slave spirituals. Her poems also reflect that she was aware of the political issues of the day, including the growing conflict between Britain and the American colonies. 
For instance, she wrote a poem about George Washington called to his excellency, George Washington in 1775. And she personally read this poem to him at his headquarters in 1776 while he was with the Continental Army in Massachusetts besieging the British. But more significantly, she used the developing independence movement in the colonies to raise the idea of freedom for enslaved people. And we can see this in the poem to the Right Honorable William Earl of Dartmouth which was published in her collection, Poems on Various Subjects, Religious and Moral, and will be read later on in this podcast. In this poem, she expresses how she is heartened by the appointment of the Earl of Dartmouth, whom she had met during her time in England. And he was appointed as Secretary of State for the colonies, and she knew him to be a friend of abolitionists. So in this poem, she describes her experiences of slavery and specifically the cruelty of being separated from her family and talks about her experiences as an enslaved woman woman, and how they have given her a greater appreciation and love of freedom. So we see in this poem how she uses America's quest for freedom as really sort of a metaphor to articulate to others her own desire for freedom. It is likely that more direct and outspoken criticism of slavery would have made it difficult for her to publish her work and survive. Yet, through the very act of writing, she also challenged ideas that underlay the system of slavery. In this period, many Europeans assumed that Africans lacked the intellectual capacity and talents for something like creative writing. Many people, most notably Thomas Jefferson, questioned Wheatley's ability to author her poems. Consequently, Wheatley's book of poems contained testimonies of respectable Boston citizens as proof that she did indeed write these poems. But what I want to emphasize is that her act of writing undermined one of the major justifications for the enslavement of Africans, specifically European assumptions about African inferiority. Before I conclude this discussion of Phyllis Wheatley, I wanted just briefly to turn our focus from her poetic achievements and consider what her life reveals about Black people's lives in revolutionary America, and specifically Black girls' lives. And in this part especially, I am drawing on the wonderful chapter in Exploring American Girlhood Through 50 Historic Treasures. Now, as noted in the book's chapter on Phyllis Wheatley, Phyllis's work constitute the first direct source of information on Black girls in America. Her poems provide a window into Black girls' culture and slavery and the emergence of abolitionism before and during the American Revolution. Phyllis is the only well-documented Black girl during the Revolutionary period, when about 10% of Boston's population was Black. As a renowned pre-19th century American poet, Phyllis Wheatley's work led her to assume a public role for which Black girls had no precedent. As stated in the book, 
she proves that black girls managed to survive both in life and the historical record. Her survival is extraordinary given the dominance of slavery and racism. She was a black girl persistently tugging on her chains, hinting that black culture in the colonies was much more complex and freedom seeking than scholars assumed. In writing, Phyllis secured her own freedom while advocating for the freedom of her people. To conclude, we wanted to share with you a poem by Phyllis Wheatley. This is to the Right Honorable William Earl of Dartmouth. And as mentioned earlier in this poem, she expresses her hope that Dartmouth will bring greater freedom and independence to America and connects her desire for freedom with her experiences in slavery. The poem is read by Sarah Saluski. Sarah is currently a second year MFA acting student at the University of Florida. She's originally from the sunny state of California and she identifies as a queer, black, multi-hyphenate artist who believes in the power of art to change the world. To the Right Honorable William, Earl of Dartmouth, by Phyllis Wheatley. Hail, happy day, when smiling like the morn, fair freedom rose New England to adorn. The northern clime beneath her genial ray, Dartmouth, congratulates thy blissful sway. Elate with hope, her race no longer mourns. Each soul expands, each grateful bosom burns. While in thine hand with pleasure we behold The silken reins and freedom's charms unfold. Long lost to realms beneath the northern skies, She shines supreme while hated faction dies. Soon as appeared the goddess long desired, Sick at the view, she languished and expired. Thus from the splendors of the morning light, the owl in sadness seeks the caves of night. No more, America, in mournful strain of wrongs and grievance undressed complain. No longer shalt thou dread the iron chain which went in tyranny with lawless hand had made and with it meant to enslave the land. Should you, my lord, while you peruse my song, Wonder from whence my love of freedom sprung. Whence flow these wishes for the common good, By feeling hearts alone best understood. I, young in life, by seeming cruel fate, Was snatched from Africa's fancied happy seat. What pangs excruciating must molest, what sorrows labor in my parents' breast. Steeled was that soul and by no misery moved, that from a father seized his babe beloved. Such, such my case. And can I then but pray others may never feel tyrannic sway? For favors past, great sir, our thanks are due. 
and thee we ask thy favors to renew, since in thy power, as in thy will before, to soothe the griefs which thou didst once deplore. May heavenly grace the sacred sanction give to all thy works, and thou forever live, not only on the wings of fleeting fame, though praise immortal crowns the patriot's name, but to conduct to heaven's refulgent fane, may fiery cursors sweep the ethereal plain, and bear thee upwards to that blessed abode, where like the prophet thou shalt find thy God. Thank you to Sarah for reading for us. As you heard, Wheatley's words are eloquent and powerful in expressing her experiences and desire for freedom. Thank you for joining us for Girls Speak and all your continued support. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe so it is easier for you and others to find us. This podcast is produced by Girl Museum, an entirely online and volunteer-run museum dedicated to exploring and celebrating the art, history, and culture of girls around the world in the past and present. We are always open and free of charge. Head on over to girlmuseum.org to learn more. Our music is by Han Av. Finally, please help to support future productions of Girl Speak by visiting and becoming part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash girlmuseum. Thank you and have a lovely day. Bye.